as if my knight needed any more drama. The witch bitch of the Ozarks had to drop a visit. She stands just inside the front door with two of her cronies to either side of her. Her long, long locks frame her pretty little face as she smiles at me, while her cronies have all business glares. This does not bode well for me. Rosalind Beckett. To what do I owe the displeasure of you darkening my doorstep? Is that any way to greet an old friend? Old hag is more appropriate. Well, are you going to invite us to sit down? Wasn't planning on it. I hope you didn't come all the way down here before Rachel called you. I could have saved you a trip. We were already down here. We've been investigating the murders happening in your backyard. Curious as to why you haven't. I'm curious as to why you have. Like you said, this is my backyard. If I felt the need to investigate, I would have. At this point, my leg throbs so hard I feel it in my ears. I would have used the whole stash of energy in my emergency crystal if it wasn't for the damn cops. Do you give no weight to the cops' conclusion that these are ritualistic murders? Fuck it. If we really have to talk about this, then come have a seat. Salt on the Cards, Episode 5, The Last Albright. I don't wait for them to follow me. Limping as little as possible, I make my way to the table. I don't need her to know I was shot. More likely than not, one of her cronies knows healing magic, and she would insist upon me accepting their help. I'd rather stick a hot poker on my tongue. Rosalyn sits at the table across from me, but her cronies stay standing. You remember Alexis and Margot? Your little shadows, yes, I remember. What, are they your priestesses now? She smiles at them. Two of four, yes. They are my right and left hands. I don't know what I would do without them. This earns a smile and a nod from both of them. Congratulations, you two. From bootlickers to brown nosers, good on ya. Let's get back to the matter at hand, shall we? What do you know of these murders? I want to tell her to fuck off, but that would be going against our agreement. An agreement where she leaves me alone until emergency circumstances arise, and I help her quickly figure out a solution so she can go back to leaving me alone. Probably less than you know. Only what I've heard on the news, and a few connections, have confirmed the rumors that they were indeed gruesome murders that look sacrificial. Rosalind frowns and nods. We spoke to our police contact, and he confirmed the same. He escorted us to the crime scene for us to sense any magic. There were faint traces, but the purpose of which we could not confirm. Ah, now I know why she's really here. And you've come here to search for those same traces of magic to see if I did it. You know I can't rule you out without confirming. You could if we trusted each other. I regret uttering those words. I can tell by the sad look she now wears on her face that it was a mistake. A little nostalgic there, Jade? You were the one who left the coven. We did not cast you out. You would have, or killed me. It was the next logical step. When will you let go of your conspiracy theories? We did not kill your mother. We loved her like a sister. Then how did she die, hmm? Who killed her? I'll be damned if I sit here and listen to you feed me the same line of bullshit. And I will not have this argument again. 
so let us do what we came here to do and be done with it. I stare at her, weighing the chances of me killing her and her cronies before they kill me. Today's not that day, though something tells me that day will be soon. Get on with it then. Rosalind gives the nod. Her cronies step on either side of me, hands up ready to cast their magic. I know what they need from me, but I won't make it easy on them. Their magic dances along my skin, but cannot penetrate the shields I have in place to protect myself. Rosalind regains her charming tone. Jade, if you'd be so kind. Are your priestesses not strong enough to break my shields? She raises an eyebrow at that. Do you really want the answer to that question? I do, but I don't want them to know the answer as well. Fine. <coughs> I remove my necklace that houses my protection charm. It's my first line of defense against unwanted magic, a simple silver piece in the form of a protective sigil. An intricate series of circles and triangles that mirror each other. It's the same sigil I drew on the back of my homemade deck. I place it on the table. The cronies do their work, trying to detect the feel of my magic. All magic leaves a mark, especially dark magic. I also don't pass up the opportunity to pay them the same kindness. As their magic surrounds me, I get a taste of them as well. The brain has a fun way of interpreting things, especially mine. I'm not sure if it's because my magic is based on taking energy, but I taste and smell their magic. Margot's magic is salty, like the ocean, the trace of her creeping energy scratchy like the sand. Alexa smells of honeysuckle, soft like silk. There are no ripples in their touch, no stains of darker magic, at least none from here. They have their inner shields up, keeping me from sensing the depth of their power but I will not try to infiltrate them, unless they give me a reason. The moment one of these idiots tries anything else, it's going to end poorly. I glare at them, daring them to try, daring them to give me a reason. But they pull back. Margot shakes her head, and Rosalind is satisfied with her answer. Joyous news. Now that we have cleared your name, I would like to offer you protection. Margot can stay behind nearby to make sure you're safe. I put my necklace back on. I don't need your protection. Two is better than one. How, when one is three blocks down from the other? Are you saying you would rather her stay in your loft? I wasn't going to push that issue, but... Of course not. But she's no better off than me alone here in her own hotel room. Does the back supply room still have that pull-down cut? Oh, yes. Rosalind likes to remind me how close we had been as children. Her mother and my mother were best friends, so of course we followed suit. But all the nostalgia just reminds me what a deep portrayal she and the rest of that godforsaken coven committed against my mother and me. I swallow that rage, knowing I can use it later. I do find it interesting that she does not want to leave Alexis behind, though. I don't need your help. You and I both know that even if these are true Satan worshippers, I can handle them no problem. That's what I'm afraid of. You really think I'm stupid enough to walk that path again? Stupid has nothing to do with it when temptation is knocking. I can handle it. She stares at me for a moment, pleading with her eyes to just let her help. I won't budge. I will never take her direct help again. She sighs, knowing this. You know how to reach us if you need help. I say nothing. She turns to leave, and her cronies follow. I trail behind them and open the door like the good store owner that I am. Hope you have a blessed day. I don't keep the bitterness out of my voice and fight not to slam the door behind them. This time, I lock the door. 
then make my way back to my comfortable couch where I plan to pass out as soon as my head hits the pillow. I've had enough to deal with in one night. At least I can knock getting shot off of my bucket list. About the time I relax my body, I sense someone else here. Goosebumps prickle my arms as I sit up and feel around. Between my leg and Rosalind and her cronies taking all my attention, I didn't even sense anyone else before. But I have a feeling they've been here the whole time. My senses tell me the intruder is waiting for me in my reading room. A trickle of anger shoots through my gut. Very few have the nerve to invade my reading room space, none of which are very pleasant. I fling the door open and look around, half expecting to see someone sitting in my chair at the table. My vervain hangs over the door still undisturbed, so that's reassuring. Whoever is here doesn't mean me harm. At least not yet. Everything looks untouched. So you and Rosalind at it again, huh? The gruff female voice mocks me from behind. I let my arms and shoulders relax. If this old biddy means me harm, it's only going to be verbal and emotional. I turn to face her. She's in the room across the hall, door wide open looking straight at me. The old cot Rosalind mentioned before is pulled down and made up behind her. Her blonde and white hair frames her face in a mess of curls that fall beneath her shoulders and over her chest. I don't know why I thought she was in the reading room. This is a woman who has never let me give her a reading, even before my mother died. Her face haunts me. Not in any monstrousness or hate, but the fact that she looks almost exactly like my mother. See, this is why I don't ever go up to Mountainburg. Oh, you were up there recently? And didn't bother to call. Sounds about right. And here we go. Can always rely on Aunt Beattie for some passive aggressiveness. I was up there to help a friend, not a social call. I literally just got back. She steps out of the room into the hallway. And not in one piece, I see. I step out as well and gesture to the tables. If you're going to interrogate and nag, can we at least do it sitting down? She waves her hand. No, no. No talking tonight. I'm as tired as you are. I made up the cot for me, but it looks like you'll be the one needing it. I'll just make my way upstairs. She turns to use the store stairs up to my room, but I reach for her. You can't go up those stairs. Why not? They're still impassable? <laughs> Fine. But I'm sleeping in your room. Not that excuse of a bed beneath your couch. There's no way in hell she's going up to my loft alone. I'll help you up. It looks like you need my help, not the other way around. I hook my elbow out, offering her my arm. Woman, just let's go up. Like you said, we are both tired. A small smile cracks at the edges of her frown. Well, let's hurry then. I think there are still Golden Girl reruns on that I can fall asleep to. My leg feels like it's being stabbed with every step I take, but I will not let my aunt see it. Focusing on my breathing, I clench my fist tight on the banister on the way up. This friend, were you able to help them? No one died. That's not an answer. That's all the answer she's getting. Even though my aunt is as bitter and rage-filled as me, she shares my mother's moral compass. Or really, the Albright family moral compass, if I think about it. There just aren't many Albrights left. But helping others is their main priority. Survival is my main priority. Helping others is what got my mother killed. Well, was it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It reaffirmed why I don't make house calls. We finally make it inside. 
I lock the door behind her as she makes her way toward my room, until she passes it. Should have known. You're not sleeping in there. She continues as if I didn't say anything. I follow behind her, stepping as furiously as my hurt leg will let me. She opens the door to my mother's bedroom before I can stop her. I'm not ashamed of what I've made it. Her bed is turned down exactly as it was the last day she stepped out of this house. But the dresser that had been on the wall at the foot of her bed, I moved to the side of it to make way for a table covered by her favorite blanket. Pictures of her and me, various family members and friends, stand neatly at the corners, while one larger portrait of her leans against the wall in the center. An electric candle lights the table at all times. I change the batteries regularly to make sure they never go out when I'm not home. Her clothes still hang in her closet, her jewelry, perfume, makeup, everything still untouched except to move it with her dresser and mirror. It's not that I refuse to part with it. I just see no point in making the extra time when her room is fine as is. Not like I need a roommate or having kids anytime soon. My aunt's stiff posture relaxes as she stares at mom's room. I was afraid you'd let it go. Or trashed it in anger. I know why she would think anger, but I would never direct that anger toward my mother. It's not her fault she had to leave me. Is Aunt Beatty angry with mom instead of the coven? Is she one of those that argue that it was her choice? I don't believe that for a second. The coven is responsible for her death, and you'll never convince me otherwise. Still, standing here with my aunt looking at what's left, the grief overtakes the anger. My eyes burn and my heart hammers in my chest. I shut the door before I start crying. Come on, I'm tired. I'll take the couch, you head to my room. You know, she was always- Please, not right now. I don't want to break down in front of my aunt, but seeing her again after so many years, the similarities between her and my mother breaks me every time, and she knows it. I talk to her on the phone frequently to make up for it, and I think it's why she's tolerated me staying away from her. The fact she hasn't told me why she's here doesn't bode well for me, but I'm not going to beg it out of her. I'm too tired. I raise my hurt leg over the arm of the couch and let myself fall into its cushiony goodness. Tugging on the blanket draped over the back, I once again snuggle in for the night, hopefully this time with no more surprises. I'll make us breakfast in the morning. Go watch your golden girls and go to sleep. Aunt Beatty sits on the edge of the couch by my legs. You know I could heal your- Yes, I know. No, I don't want you to. You're every bit stubborn as your mother was. Don't let it get you killed, too. I ignore her. She's trying to goad me. Good night. My aunt pats me on my leg and shoots more pain through my body. Good night. I breathe through the extra bit of pain she causes and try to relax. But the stress of what tomorrow will hold for me makes it take forever to fall asleep. Between the couple in Mountainburg, Rosalind coming and sticking her nose where it doesn't belong, and Aunt Beatty, I take the first two every time. Hi, we heard you have free water for protesters? I sure do. Come on in. Oh, thanks. We really appreciate it. It wouldn't do for anyone to have a heat stroke. What exactly is everyone protesting? Oh, the overturning of Roe vs. Wade. I heard about that. I hoped it had been a dream. Unfortunately not. Living in this damn country isn't easy some days. As an occult bookstore owner, I hear that. Oh, is that what this is? I've never made it down this far. It's my wife that's the book reader. Well... Could I interest you in buying a book written based on this very topic? 
Wait, someone's already published a book about how shitty this is. In a nutshell, it's called Hell Hath Only Fury. It's a charity anthology with stories written by others disgusted by the decision. Oh, hell yes. Ten copies, please. On June 24th, 2022, a cry rang out across the United States of America. It echoed, reverberated, and extended out across the world. To some, it represented the fear of what's to come. To others, a reality that was all too familiar. It was a cry of anger, of terror and anguish, of desperation. But it wasn't one of surprise. In its wake, voices joined and rose with the warning tales of the impending future. Bodies stripped of autonomy, identities denied, freedoms robbed, lives lost, and so much rage. For these are not voices that will go gentle into this terrible night. These are stories of fright and fighting back. These are stories of reclamation and defiance. These are stories of warriors. Because when all they give us is hell, we will respond with only fury. Hell Hath Only Fury is a charity anthology for the benefit of abortion services in the United States of America following the overturning of Roe v. Wade. You can purchase Hell Hath Only Fury at Amazon.com. Link in the show notes. It doesn't matter how early I wake. Aunt Beatty will always be up for me. I could wake up at 4 a.m. and she'd still be dressed and cooking breakfast. She sits in the recliner, blaring the fresh Prince of Bel-Air as if I'm not sleeping here. Morning, grumpy britches. I sit up and realize the pain in my leg is gone. Lifting my skirt to inspect the wound, anger sweeps through me once I see my thigh is healed. You rotten old witch. You're welcome. I told you I didn't want your help. And I don't want your help either. But here we are. And what I need from you requires you to be clear-headed. Well, there's the first layer of her telling me what she needs. I fling my skirt back over my leg and stand. And just what exactly do you need from me? She stands as well and stares at me for a moment before answering, as if she's still debating whether or not asking. Has she gotten herself into something? I need a reading. Those four words are a combination I never dreamed would come from her mouth. This is the woman who has always relied on the good book of Jesus, a true folk witch deeply rooted in Christian traditions with a few of her own rituals thrown in, but all in the name of him. She has never been interested in the things my mother and I did, even though once upon a time, we did it all in the name of him as well. Do I take her request in stride, or do I question it? If I question it, she may change her mind. Staring at her now, she looks like she half regrets even asking. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else. Are you sure you want the answers you're looking for? Honestly, I could care less. But I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for the family, and more specifically for you. The answer will affect you the most. Okay, now I have to ask. What is it you need? How does it affect me? She shakes her head. There's enough time to explain it all after you get the store opened and have time for my reading. Of course she's going to be like that. I have a morning rush and then it dies pretty quickly. Just a few regulars. She raises an eyebrow at this. You have people that like you enough to keep coming back? Now that's a first. Come on, old woman. I've got to get things started. No yoga this morning. Just straight to work. The smell of coffee wafts over the store as I prepare to open. Aunt Beattie sits at the table by the window, thumbing through a Christian romance. My coffee drinkers come as usual, but Eric and Cassie seem to make a point 
to be the last of my regulars to leave. Eric comes to the counter with his stuff. I think Cass and I are uh, finally ready for a reading. You'll have to wait until later. That little old lady sitting over there is waiting for her reading. Oh, we planned on later anyway. He slips his napkin across the counter to me. A cell number bleeds through the tissue. Dude, this is not the day. But I see his gaze. His face tries to stay confident, but his eyes betray the nervousness. I look over his shoulder to Cass. She's watching us. We lock eyes as she smiles and winks. Shit. I'm an asshole, but I'm not a total asshole. I'll think about it. That's all we can ask. Come on, Cass. I'm glad that's enough of an answer. I really don't have patience for them right now. I want to know what Aunt Beatty's talking about. What has she gotten into that's going to affect me? Does she want to sell the land? Half of the acreage is mine, left to me by Mom. But she wouldn't need a reading for that. What has that old bat gotten into? It dies down and I rush to the front door to lock and flip my reading sign over. Shall we? She puts the Christian romance back where it was on the shelf. That was a bit of a morning rush. Is it always that busy? I make pretty damn good coffee. That young couple looked interested in more than just the coffee. I grab her at the elbow. I'm not sleeping with them, if that's what you mean. Well, maybe not them, but it would be nice to see you with someone. I say nothing. It's the same topic she brings up every time I call her. She may actually care about my happiness, but what it really boils down to is more babies. Keeping the Aubrey family alive and well. She has two daughters, Cora and Darlene, but having Darlene almost killed her. She feels shame for not having any more, but she can go blow that smoke up someone else's ass. Forget the finding love aspect of it. What she doesn't realize is how hard it is to have multiple children in this economy. Aunt Beatty pauses at the reading room threshold, staring into it as if it's an unknown abyss. I promise God is not going to smite you for this. Don't make promises you can't keep. I keep nothing evil or of the devil in any form at that table. I know you may be wary because of my past. I hold nothing against you, Jade. Many lose their way and are tempted to stray from the Lord. And if you say none of your old relics are in this room, then I believe you. Still, she hesitates. I don't blame her. I step in and point at the doorway. I use Vervain over the door to signal when evil passes through, and I have other protection sigils around the room. I'm careful with my words at this point. Aunt Beatty still has her magic about her, and it is not entirely Christian. I don't care how much she says it is. But I will not question the woman's conviction. Still, what started with just glamour magic evolved into her grand illusion magic. She can conjure and strip away any illusions, including lies. The last thing I need for her to do right now is use that magic on me. She finally crosses the threshold and makes a beeline to the table. Before taking my seat, I go to the bookshelf and grab the deck I've waited my whole life to use. I bought it when I was 11 and have not touched this Christian-themed deck specifically because I wanted it to be the deck I used to give Aunt Beatty her first reading. I was in it for the long con, and it paid off. Now, what is this all about? You know that the ritual is next year. A surge of anxiety spreads through my limbs. Yes, I would never forget it. Well, I'm worried that I may not have the strength required for it. I need to know if... My suspicions are correct. Double whammy here. Aunt Beatty thinks she's dying, and if she is, 
it sounds like I'm next in line to take over the ritual. My assumption has always been Cora, since she's the oldest of us children. It doesn't sound like Aunt Beatty wants to risk her golden child, though. If that's the case, I need this woman to outlive me, so I hope she's wrong. Well, let's take a look. I grab my deck and shuffle. Her health question isn't what comes to mind, and I feel shitty for a second because of that. I told myself after my mother's death that if my aunt ever let me give her a reading, I would answer a question about her for myself. Why won't Aunt Beatty help me find out what happened to Mom? I asked the question quickly in my mind and flipped the card. My heart sinks into my stomach when the card is blank. I flipped the next card, and the next, and the next, all blank. Damn it, Aunt Beatty. Okay, you've made your point. Have I? I have not come here to stir up old ghosts. Your mere presence stirs up old ghosts. She tilts her head and frowns. Do I really look that much like her? Ignoring the fact that you are twins, have you really forgotten your own sister's face? Or do you just refuse to look in the mirror, afraid to see her too? Something passes through her eyes that tells me I'm closer to the truth than she's comfortable with. Do it right this time, Jade. I shuffle again, with the question of her health now in my mind. Part of me is anxious about this question. I already lost my mother. I'm not ready to lose my aunt. And if she intends to name me matriarch over Cora, there will be hell to pay. I have to deal with the answer I'm not sure I can face yet. I let my anger overtake my fear. Damn her for putting me in this situation. I fling the card over and slam it on the table. The fool. I don't bother to keep the spite out of my voice. How appropriate. Your present situation is explained here with the fool. It's definitely some kind of disease that's going to affect your mind as well as your body. One could only hope you tell me the truth about mom's death before it gets you. She doesn't physically respond to the news, but she knows I'm not lying. Fat chance, girl. Flip the next card. My fear slides in over my anger. My throat tightens and my eyes burn as I continue. The influences on your situation are represented by the moon reversed. It shows your unexplained fear and frequent confusion. I assume that these are the signs you've been seeing, making you think something is up. It started small. Lost keys. Forgetting what I'm doing. Forgetting where I am for a moment. It really scared me when I forgot the Lord's Prayer. Concern rips my anger to pieces. Have you gone to see a doctor yet? I came to you first. Continue, please. I don't want to continue. I don't want to know. But I flip the card. Death stares up at me. I breathe through the worry to interpret the card. Usually I tell my clients not to be so afraid of this card. It doesn't usually mean what it looks like. For you, the challenge you face is accepting this change. Which, I don't blame you. No one wants to die. But you gotta tell me it's not just for the stupid ritual. If the Lord calls me home, there's nothing I can do to stop it. I will fight to stay in this world and serve the Lord in this life. But the rest is out of my hands. You must be ready for my departure. No. No, I don't have to be. I don't have to continue the ritual. I don't have to become the matriarch. Cora, can you- You really want to leave the fate of your family and the fate of the ritual to Cora? You know she would be like a lamb to the slaughter. Would you really abandon your family like that? No, I didn't think so. 
It's better for you to be prepared than thrown in the deep end. Continue. Final outcome, Auntie. Isn't surprising that it's judgment. Your absolution will be at hand. So, it's as I suspected. Well, maybe. Let's flip the last one. Oh, wow. Temperance is, uh... That means in moderation, doesn't it? Girl, you know... Well, not quite, but yeah, I'm as shocked as you are. You find peace in what happens. A sort of balance in your... Death. You can say the word, Jade. Oh, so I'll be at peace. That means you will have agreed and everything will be in order. Don't hold your breath. You may just find peace in the fact that Cora will have to do. You really think Cora can handle it? Have you already forgotten that terror we keep sealed? Do I need to remind you of what horror would await not only our home, but the whole damn continent? She lifts her hand and I reach across the table to grab her. Don't you dare! But it's too late. She swipes her hand across the air in front of me. That's the shitty thing about her damn magic. She doesn't have to infiltrate my shields to use it against me. Her illusions are little conjures that can affect my body. With a swipe of her hand, the room around us blinks into pitch-black nothingness. Shit. The blackness around me stirs, taking shape as if it's wrapped around things that are there, attacking a new reality like pin art. A thick forest of trees engulfs me, fallen leaves and branches littering the ground. The illusion settles and I immediately know where I am. It's just an illusion. It's just an illusion. About 20 feet in front of me is the seal. It's the only bare ground in the sea of greenery. Colors bleed into the vision. Auntie has dropped me in the middle of the day, but it's an overcast day and the crowded canopy ahead lets in little light. But I know it's there. The seal, wielded by blood and fire, magic and spirit. I step closer because I know it's what she wants. And the quicker I give her what she wants, the quicker I can get out of this. The wind blows through the trees, rustling the millions of leaves and blowing my skirt against my shins as I walk. The sigil on the seal stares up at me, but as I stare back, I notice a crack begin to zigzag its way across the metal. My blood runs cold as a new wisp of air fights against the midday breeze, and I'm no longer alone. A branch breaks behind me, and I know she's there. It's not her. It's not really her. But it's enough of what she is to still make me hesitate turning and facing her. Her ragged breath begins to permeate the air around me. More branches and leaves break and rustle as she comes near. I turn and I'm face to face with her. Her blonde hair made jet black by the suit and oil at the roots dripping down her face and around her bloodshot eyes. Her skin is paler than the overcast sky, and her body radiates cold instead of heat. Dread swallows me whole as she stares. Smiling with such menace, I mutter the Lord's Prayer. It's not her. It's not her! I gain the courage to grab her head and shove my thumbs into her eyes. Before my grip can do any damage, it all seeps away. I'm back in my reading room. Aunt Beatty glaring at me from across the table. You see, child? Do you remember now? You know the power shown there is nothing compared to the real whore. We cannot let this be unleashed upon the earth, and you know this. 
I wanted to protest again that it should be Cora. Aunt Beatty's oldest is the best and brightest. She knows no evil but that it exists in the world. She's a few months older than me, but hasn't seen half the things I have. For this to be the first force she comes up against? I lean back into my chair, trying to relax, to pretend I don't know. But I do. I was there the last time the seal broke, and they were barely able to put it back to rest. The feel of such oppression, such dread and fear and disgust. That's not something you ever forget. I couldn't help then. I didn't know the words. I didn't have the power. But I do now. All right, you have my word. But don't you dare let whatever this disease is take over you without a fight. Promise me you'll go to the doctors as soon as you can get in, and you'll let me know what it is. I'll call Uncle Dell myself to get him to lay hands on you if I must. You know that old bat won't have anything to do with us anymore. But I appreciate it. We stand. She waits for me to come around the table and hugs me. I wouldn't have done that if you weren't so stubborn. I wouldn't be so stubborn if I wasn't your niece. <laughs> I'll get out of your hair and let you run your shop. But please, next time you're back home, stop by. I'll think about it. Gotta be good enough, I suppose. I walk back up to the loft to get her overnight bag and meet her back at her car. We share one last hug, and in that hug I feel her regret. It's far away and slips through my mind like fog, but it's there. Maybe it hasn't come to pass yet, or maybe she's shoving it down so she doesn't feel it. I hope that regret doesn't manifest at the end. Take care, Aunt Beatty. Love you, Jade. You take care of yourself. Don't I always? I watch as she drives off, that slither of regret clinging to me. Something tells me that the regret is going to come back to bite me in the ass. I guess we will have to wait and see. I make my way back into the shop, thinking about Aunt Beatty. I'll get a spell jar for health put together for her. It's the least I can do from here. The mere thought of going near that seal again, the power it holds. It's a power I've longed to have, and yet no better than to tango with. But if I have to go help make sure it's sealed... Even with a year before I do it, I need to prep. I mindlessly drag my hand across the counter and hit the napkin Eric left. I stare I don't know how long before I pick up the phone and dial the number. Hey Cass, it's Jade. How's tonight after closing time sound for that reading? Looks like Jade's got some family issues, huh? And definitely some monsters in the closet. What's hidden up in Mountainburg? And what evil is Jade's family protecting the world from? Aunt Beatty sure isn't giving us any answers, the old crone. But at least it sounds like Jade is going to have a little fun in the meantime. This episode of It's All in the Cards podcast was written by Ashley McAnally. The music for this episode was composed by The Arsonist and produced by Scott Thomas, featuring the voice talents of Ashley McAnally, Nicole Doolin, Jessica McAvoy, Sean Yates, and Brayden Wilson. We would like to give a shout-out to our newest Patreon subscribers, C2, KR, Mary Seacard, and Tava Smith. If you too would like to support the show, you can join our Patreon and get ad-free episodes, early access, and exclusive bonus content as the season rolls on. Find out more about our podcast, please visit us at www. 
It's All in the Cards Podcast.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook at It's All in the Cards Podcast and Twitter at It's All in the Card. Links in the show notes. It's All in the Cards Podcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised.